Ah, thank you. Well, good morning. It's great to be back in our More Prayer series. For those of you that don't know, for the last, I think it's last six weeks, we've been in our More Prayer series, and we've been committed to spending 50 days of prayer as a church. So every week, Monday to Friday, we've been meeting every single night, and we've been praying. We've been praying for more prayer, that there'll be more evidence amongst us as God's people. We've been praying for more salvation, that we'd see more people come to know Jesus. We've been praying for more of the knowledge of God, that every one of us as his followers would know him more, and in, and in so doing, understand his love in a deeper way. We've been praying for more power in the Spirit, that we would recognize and acknowledge our help for God more, and we would see that in a more fruitful and outwardly working way. We've prayed for more resources for the mission, so one that God would enable us to give generously and that also God would bring in and provide generously. And uh, the previous week, we looked at more discipleship so that as God's people, we would grow as his followers. And if you haven't guessed it today, we are looking at more goodness and more faith. So um, we're going to be reading about a church in Thessalonica. The believers there had come under persecution and hard times We read that in Acts 17, Paul and Silas went there for the very first time to preach and share the gospel, and they were basically arrested and ran out of the town after only three weeks by the Jewish leaders of the synagogue. But in that short time, a strong church was founded, and later Paul is writing to the believers there to strengthen and to encourage them. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be on page 1189, and we're going to be looking at 2 Thessalonians, verses 3 to 12. get rid of my chewing gum because that wasn't a good idea right okay so if you're on your on your on uh, if you're in the bible okay verse three onwards we ought always to thank god for you brothers and sisters and rightly so because your faith is growing more and more and the love all of you have for one another is increasing therefore among god's churches we boast about your per- perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring all this is evidence that god's judgment is right And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled as well as to us. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with an everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Paul here is commending the Thessalonians that despite persecution, trial and suffering, they are growing in faith and love for one another. In fact, despite all of these challenges, they are flourishing as a church. What's interesting is that Paul prays for the Thessalonians, but not once does he say, Lord, would you take away their trials or take away their suffering? He starts by praying that God would make them worthy of his calling. Now, when Paul uses the term calling here, 
he isn't talking about some sense of personal calling on your life. Usually when, when we talk about calling, it usually means something that we feel that God has, has led us to do, whether it's some sense of work or mission or ministry. What Paul is actually talking about here is the call. It is the call to salvation. It is the call to follow Jesus. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. It is the call out of darkness and into light. It is the call to follow Jesus. So is, is Paul here implying that they are not worthy of, of responding to the call of salvation? Is he saying they're not good enough, they're not yet ready, that they need to be made worthy? No. Paul knows that their salvation is by God's grace alone. It was because Jesus suffered and died and took sin upon himself that we can be saved. In Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 10 it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself, it is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It is clear that our salvation is not by good works, but actually we are saved by God's grace. We didn't contribute anything to our salvation, and yet good works should be prevalent amongst believers but they shouldn't be as a form of earning our salvation, but they should be in response to it. So what does Paul say when he says, make us worthy? John Piper, who's a well-known Bible teacher and preacher, has written over 50 books, um, he says this. He says, suppose you redecorate a spare bedroom in your house because you want to honour a special guest who is coming to stay. You paint the dingy walls, you buy a new bedspread, you polish the woodwork... And then you stand back to see if the room is worthy of the guest's presence. And an old lampshade sticks out like a sore thumb. It's dirty, it's torn, it doesn't match the paintwork. It is unworthy of the room. It's in unfitting, improper, and in that sense unworthy of the room and the guest. Not that the room deserves the guest, but that the guest deserves the room. So you resolve to get rid of it. Why? so that the room would be worthy of its destiny. The guest is coming. Well, that is our first motive for seeking God's power to fulfill the good resolves in our own lives too. There is a sense of harmony and fitness that we can enjoy when we resolve to get rid of the dirty, torn shades out of our lives. God has begun a redecorating project on you, and there are things that are just plain unfitting and unworthy of your new calling. So seek God's power to fulfill the resolves to get rid of these things, because until you do, there'll be a gnawing sense of impropriety and unfitness and inappropriateness in your heart. We should seek God's power to fulfill resolves for good, because in this way, God makes us worthy of our calling to glory. He makes our lives suitable for this destiny. Now, what Paul is talking about here is that God would help us to live in a manner worthy of our calling, worthy of the status and name as God's children and as God's people. And, and that actually that God would sanctify us and make us more like Jesus. So how does God sanctify us? Well, one significant way that God sanctifies his people is through trials and through difficulty and through suffering. 
All throughout scripture, God uses weak, frail, and broken people to fulfill his plans and purposes, and he makes them worthy of his calling by sanctifying them through these times. Look at the lives of Job, David, Jonah, Joshua, Esther. They all went through significant challenges in order that God would make them more like Jesus. You know, removing unwanted and ungodly character flaws isn't often as simple as just removing an old lampshade from a room. Um, I cannot wake up one day and say, right, today I am not going to be selfish, I am going to be selfless. Believe me, I've tried and it has not worked. Um, Isaiah 48 verse 10 says, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. In the same way that metal needs intense heat to be broken down and reformed into something beautiful with purpose and value, we often need that same heat and pressure to be in a place where God can remould us and reshape us for his glory. So why is it that God reshapes us? Why does God allow us to go through these things? Actually, more often than not, it's because God wants to make us more like Jesus. He wants to make us worthy of his calling. You know, this time last year, as a lot of you will know, um, we as a family went through a, a really difficult time. We had our, our eldest daughter, Evie, was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Um, my wife, Hannah, had two miscarriages. Evie was also diagnosed with celiac disease. Um, trying to think, what else do we have? Uh, Hannah lost a really good friend at work who was in his mid-40s. Uh, my car was vandalized to the point of being written off. And it just happened one after another after another over a six-month period. Now, if I'm honest, I got to a point where I thought, oh, Lord, I am just done. I'm done. I'm tired. I want to, I want to avoid any more pain. I want to avoid any more suffering. I don't want to go through this anymore. You know, and often my, my default reaction has been to pray, Lord, would you take this from me? Would you take this away? And it's only looking back that I can actually see what God was, what God was doing in our hearts and what God is continuing to do through some of the things that we have been through. I can really see how God has increased goodness and faith in mine and Hannah's lives because of all that we went through. We're both so much more able to understand difficult things that other people are going through. Our sense of compassion and empathy has increased. It's part of the reason why Hannah started Mum's the Word. Just understanding how difficult it can be sometimes to be a mum with all the challenges, all the busyness of life, everything that goes on. And Hannah said, I want to create a group that is for mums, not just for the kids. And that was birthed out of that. We've seen our faith grow because of what we've been through, both in what can do, in seeing Evie just miraculously fully recover so quickly without any trace or damage done as a result of that tumour. And our faith is continuing to increase in what God is going to do, both in our lives and our lives as, as Gateway Church. So if you're going through a tough time today, Rather than, say, like me, seeking to avoid what you're going through, what I would challenge you is to start asking, what does God want to do in your life right now? What good might God want to work from this situation? And in what way is God looking to build faith in your life? I'm not saying that you should stop praying that God would bring you relief. If you're sick, if you're unwell, let's keep praying. I want to pray for you that God would bring healing. But what I am saying is that you should start asking, what God, what is your plan and your purpose for me in this? Paul encourages the Thessalonians and reminds them that one day their suffering will end, that one day God will right every wrong. In Romans 8, Paul also says, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing 
with the glory that will be revealed in us. That one day, everything we're going through, whether difficult times, hard times, won't even be comparable to the fullness of the glory of God that we will experience. This should give us hope. So what does Paul pray for the church in Thessalonica? He says, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. Going through trials or difficulties isn't necessarily a guarantee that faith and goodness will grow and and that you'll become more like Jesus. Sometimes people respond badly through hard times. You know, Mark 4 talks about people that fall away because of trouble and persecution. You know, the reason that a piece of silver or gold becomes a beautiful piece of jewelry is because of a a skilled craftsman that shapes it into something beautiful. Without the craftsman, the metal would just be a formless mass of no purpose and value. The Thessalonians were clearly being shaped by God through their trials, and we need to pray that God would continue to shape us. Paul prays that by the power of his spirit, God may bring to fruition their every desire for goodness and deed prompted by faith. We need to always pray and recognize our need for help. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Where we are unable, he is able. I am not able to wake up one morning and choose, choose not to be selfish and choose to be selfless. But God is able to work that in my heart through his power and for his glory. We want to be a church where goodness and faith is visible for all to see. Then we need to pray for the Spirit's power to bring these things to fruition in our lives. So Paul prays for the Spirit's help for the church in Thessalonica. Firstly, that their every desire for goodness might be brought to fruition. Here at Gateway, we want to pray for more goodness. And this is one of the things that we're going to be praying for this week. When the New Testament uses the term goodness, it almost always means human goodness. This means good lives, holy lives, and good works. When, when we pray and ask God that our lives will be good because God himself is good and we are in him. Colossians 3, verse 2 to 4 says, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Our foundation is that he first loved us. He called us. He called us and made us his people. Our foundation for goodness is not goodness as a means to impress God or to earn his salvation, but it is as a response to it. Because we are his people, because we are loved, because we are secure in this, we can live good lives. But as God's people, we need to pray that the Spirit would help us bring this to fruition. Verse 5 to 10 of Colossians 3 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. As God's people, we are saints who sometimes sin 
rather than sinners who sometimes do good. Sin does not define who we are. We are in Christ, and that is our identity. So we need to put off sin. We need to resolve to live holy lives and seek the Spirit's help to bring these things to fruition. We need to pray and trust that the Spirit will help us and make us and change us to be more like Jesus. You know, I was, I was chatting to a friend of mine a little while ago that I've known for a, a long time, and we were reflecting on just how much we have changed over the last 15 or so years. And actually, it was quite amazing just to see some of the, some of the little things that God has done in our lives, things that a number of years ago wouldn't have even been an issue and now real issues of conscience for us. You know, I was, um, six months ago, I bought a brand new wardrobe uh, with the very kind help of Mark Absalom, who, he's, he's over, oh, he's, he's around there somewhere, uh, very kindly helped me build this fitted wardrobe in my house bedroom. And as I was going through Ikea, I was, I was picking up all the bits and I totaled up the cost and I had it in my mind at about 395 pounds, so just under 400 pounds. And when I, when I put everything through the teller, um, the guy said, oh, that's £350. And I was thinking, oh, okay, that doesn't seem right. Now, a few years ago, I would have gone, great, I'm 50 quid up, let's go. Pay for it, on I go. Wouldn't have thought anything of it. Wouldn't have even been an issue of conscience for me. But actually, over the years, God, God has changed me. God has given me faith to understand that it is God who is my provider. And actually, by, by looking at those things in a different way, I'm trusting that God is my provider, and I'm trusting him in the small things. So I went through the receipt. I found out that this guy had scanned one box when I'd bought six boxes, and I paid for the rest. So let's keep praying that God will help us in our determination to live good lives, and that God will change us and do a work in us. I am thankful for the work that God is has done and is continuing to do in my life. And there is a lot left to be done. Okay, verse 12 to 14 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. As God's people, the goodness and character that should be on display within our lives is compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love. We need to ask that God would add these things to us because we cannot see this change just by our own willpower. You know, I remember a few years ago, me and Hannah used to go to a church called Citygate, and um, there was a fantastic couple there called Guy and Heather Miller, who um, led the church. Guy also leads the commission group of churches that we are affiliated with. And um, Heather, a number of years ago, his wife set up an incredible uh, ministry to support and help vulnerable women that have been caught up in drug addiction and prostitution. And I always remember her saying about how that came about. She was, she was at a meeting, she was listening to someone give a talk on God's heart for the poor, and as, and as God was doing that, she just felt that God broke her heart and gave her a sense of his heart and compassion for the poor. And that actually, that as a result of that, out of that sense of that goodness, that good desire birthed faith. And as a result, she created a ministry which impacted the lives of hundreds, of women, hundreds and hundreds of women, some of which came to follow Jesus. And so my question is, what is it that is in your heart at the moment? Where is God highlighting things that he wants to remove? Maybe sin that he wants to deal with? 
things that he wants to add, good character, things that he wants to increase, or good works that he has for you to do. Our second and main prayer focus for this week is more faith. And we need more faith if we are to see more goodness. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. As God's people, we can believe in faith that God will continue a good work in us. Do you have faith that God is working in your life right now? That more goodness is being produced? That you can live a life without being enslaved to sin? Let's pray and ask for more faith to see more goodness at work in our lives. So we need more faith for good works. It's not enough to simply have good desires. What we need is faith to act on those desires. You know, there was um, a famous missionary, William Carey, who was a missionary to India, and he had this, this good desire to be a missionary, this good desire to go and reach people. And uh, he, he, he told someone this desire, and they said something on the lines of, you know, sit down. When God wants to save the heathen, he will do it without you or me. Basically, sit down, carry on doing what you're doing. But actually, that didn't deter him. He had this real, this good desire, and he pursued that faithfully, and he started something which led to an incredible work. I'm not saying that we shouldn't discuss our good desires with other people. Sometimes we do get these things wrong. It's good to have counsel of the counsel of many. Um, I used to know a guy who, um, he came up to me once and he said, Matt, I really feel that God has called me to evangelize to strippers. And I said to him, I said, wherever that desire is coming from, it's probably not coming from Jesus. So it's good to work these things out in community. Um, As I said earlier, good works do not contribute to our salvation, but they are as a response to it. If you really know Jesus, if Jesus has changed your heart, your faith will live out in an active way. Heather's story was one of hearing God and of acting in faith. So what is it that you need faith to start? What good desires do you have in your heart that you're not yet acting on? Now, maybe it could be a desire to, to join or be a part of a ministry team here at church. Maybe God's given you a desire to teach and to courage and to nurture young people. And so maybe you should have a chat with the the kids' leaders about joining the kids' work. Maybe you've got a real desire and heart for for hospitality and welcoming and and befriending people. Maybe that's something you need to look at as well. Maybe God has given you a real desire to show compassion and you want to support something like Mums the Word or Oasis or one of the other eight different um, compassion ministries that we have as a church. Perhaps it's faith to start a good work in your own life. Perhaps it's faith to start sharing the good news and the gospel with your friends and family. Maybe you're thinking, oh, Lord, I just, I just don't know where to start. I'm just struggling. Lord, what do I do? Maybe your prayer today is, Lord, would you give me faith? And would you help me to boldly do that? Perhaps it's to support and help people in a physical way. Maybe God wants you to bless your neighborhood or bless a group of people that are struggling in some way. Maybe, maybe what he is asking you is faith to start something new, to start and to do something. We also need to pray, pray for faith to continue, faith to see something through to the end, or faith to maintain and build on the current good works that God is doing. You know, perhaps your faith and enthusiasm that you once had has dwindled. You know, sometimes the day-to-day realities of good works, of life and mission can be really hard. 
Perhaps you need faith that God would re-envision you for what you're currently doing. Faith is about a long game. And actually sometimes the promises of God, sometimes these desires, these things that he's given us, actually take years to be fulfilled. You know, you just look at the life of Noah. God told Noah to build an ark because he was going to flood the earth and bring judgment to the earth. So Noah obediently followed the Lord's instruction. He gathered all the animals. And years and years later, for most of us it would be an entire lifetime, the flood came. Noah certainly had to wait a significant amount of time. He would have been met with people that would have likely doubted him, would have laughed at him, would have told him he was a, he was a fool. And yet he obediently followed God in faith. You know, William Carey, who I mentioned earlier, didn't see a single convert for seven years. Seven years of faithfully sharing the gospel. And finally someone became a believer. Sometimes the good work God has for us might take time to fulfill, but we need to pray for faith for the long game and, con- and faith to continue in obedience. You know, I, um, I had the privilege of joining um, Matt Hosier in Newcastle uh, in May to join Cornerstone Church's Weekend Away. And um, I want to just share with you a little story about that couple, but they, Mike and Esley Duff, who lead that church, they, they were somebody who took a real leap of faith They were an absolutely fantastic couple. They were living in South Africa. Mike was a part of a church there, part of the leadership team there. And um, they were asked if they would go and take on this church in Newcastle. This church was struggling. It was down to about 10 members or so. It had little or no money. And if something wasn't done, potentially it was going to close and end. And in faith, they moved their family, they sold their home, and they lived off the proceeds of their house sale whilst looking to bring life and goodness back into this church. Their act of faith meant that today the church is thriving and has grown from strength to strength. You know, if you look at that situation logically, it was full of risk. It meant leaving a stable, stable jobs and incomes. It meant moving overseas. It meant no money. It meant small numbers. There was loads that could have gone wrong. But faith involves taking risks. It involves not playing it safe. It involves trusting what God has said and acting, believing that he will do what he has promised. As God's people here at Gateway Church, we are called to live out an adventure of faith. And it wouldn't be an adventure without a little risk-taking. So what area of your life do you need to actively ask for and apply faith? So why does God wish to sanctify us? Why does he wish to make us more like Jesus? Why does God give us his power so that we can see more goodness and faith Well, verse 12 says, We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2 verse 12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. The purpose is so that God may receive glory. It is not that we may receive praise We don't do good deeds or seek out to live a good godly life so that we may be elevated, but so that God may be. We want to see the name of Jesus lifted high and many people come to a knowledge of him. And we want to see his name praised and lifted high in our town and in our nation. Paul also prays that we might be glorified in Christ according to the grace of our Lord Jesus. By God's grace, we are glorified in him. Romans 8 verse 30 tells us that all who are called, so all of us as God's people, will be justified and glorified. That is, one day we will be made perfect. 
enjoy resurrection bodies, live in the splendor of the new heaven and the new earth. And this happens because we are in Christ, because we are raised with him and we live with him. Even now, we are being more transformed into his likeness in ever-increasing glory. D.A. Carson, another famous Bible commentator and writer, says, when we glorify God, we are not giving him something substantial that he would otherwise not have. We are simply ascribing to him what is his. But when we are glorified, we are being made more like him. We are being strengthened or empowered to exhibit characteristics that would not otherwise be displayed. This glorification does not detract from Christ's glory, but points to it. So in summary, God is doing a good work in us. And we can have faith that what God has started, he will continue and will bring to completion. We need to pray for the active power of the presence of the Holy Spirit to help us and support us in this. We need to keep praying and pursuing the goodness, the good desires that God has given us. And we need to pray that we would be increasing in faith, that our faith would live out in an active way, in a public way, and that these good desires that we have would be brought to fruition. And finally, we we pray and we do all of this because we want to see God glorified and his name lifted high. And in so doing that, we share in his glory. Isn't that amazing? Um, Just invite you to stand and invite the band to come back. I'm just going to pray for us. And then um, let's worship. Yeah, Heavenly Father, Lord, I do pray. I pray for my brothers and sisters, my my friends, my family here today. I pray, firstly, Lord, for those that are going through difficult and hard times. Lord, I do pray that you bring them relief. uh, relief. I pray that you give them peace, Lord Jesus. I pray that they would know the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would show them what purposes and plans you have through some of these hard things. Even though it might seem difficult, even though sometimes that's tough to hear. Lord, I pray that actually that they would see, they would see goodness and faith come. And Lord, I pray for all of us. Lord, I pray for all of us that we would have soft and malleable hearts. That we would be shaped by you for your purposes, Lord Jesus. That we would be able to live good lives. That you would highlight to us, Lord, things that we need to remove. Things that we need to add. Things that we need to increase. And I pray that you would give us faith for good works. And you would give us faith to take that first step, to be active, Lord Jesus, in doing that. I pray, Lord God, for those that, that need faith to continue, that need, need re-envisioning for what it is you, you, you're asking them to do in this time. Lord, I pray that you'd give them faith. Faith for the long game, faith for the long haul. Faith to keep faithfully working and plodding, Lord Jesus. Yeah, Lord Jesus. And we, we, we pray and we ask all of this so that your name would be praised and that you would be glorified and you would be lifted high in our lives, in the lives of Gateway Church and in our town and our nation. Amen.